This episode of the Golf Gaming Podcast and the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $100 at WinBet to get a $100 free bet. Head over to sportsgamingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. We're also brought to you by the SGPM Merch Store. Use the promo code NFCBEAST for 15% off. Active until the Eagles or Giants lose their next game. Welcome, everybody, to the Golf Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Shermer, and you're just seeing me tonight. Uh, it's a very special night for Boston Capper. Uh, his Patriots are on Monday Night Football, and uh, he had a little bit of a rough day. He, uh, we were going back and forth about whether he really wanted to do a show. First of all, going back to last week, did not want to do a show. Uh, it's a terrible feel, which I'll get to in a little bit. Uh, and then I think he's just using the fact that the Patriots are uh, on. He, apparently, his friend brought him a really nice steak from Publix. Uh, the fine uh, grocery store where all the best cuisine is uh, in Publix. Uh, so he's actually has the night off. So it's just me tonight. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a different show tonight, though. Um, you know, we'll go over the Bermuda Championship for a little bit, but then uh, we're not going to go over DFS for uh, Bermuda for a reason I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, instead, uh, I'm going to attempt to seriously break down the Live Miami team event this week. Uh, I understand that everyone is in their camps uh, with Liv. Uh, for me, though, I mean, I'm not really on social media. I'm not part of the discussion. Uh, I just kind of see it for what it is. And I'm just going to acknowledge, especially in a week where the PG Tour doesn't really seem like it cares about its product, uh, especially coming after last week, which we'll get to in a little bit. It uh, doesn't really seem like it cares about product quality right now, especially in the fall. So we're going to talk about Liv. It's a big event for them. It's their championship. Uh, there are some odds out. You can gamble on it. So we're going to talk about it. But you know, first, uh, why don't we go for the Bermuda? And then tomorrow night, we're going to have Boston Capper back. Uh, we're going to have Matt Gannon, uh, our newest writer for Sports Gaming Podcast as well, uh, our golf guy. Uh, he's also going to join us for the show. We're going to break down our betting card. That's when we'll discuss the Bermuda Championship. But uh, why don't we get to the field first? And uh, it's... But Capper and I were talking about it. And I, this is... Probably the worst field we have broken down or handicapped since we started doing the show. We're 196 episodes in. Um, this is basically a middle of the road corn fairy event. Uh, not even some of the better corn fairy guys who just graduated here, like you know Taylor Montgomery. He has a lot of FedEx Cup points. He's not here. Uh, Dean Burmester, I think he finished top three at Sanderson. He's not here either. Uh, Justin Saw, who's still very high in the priority rankings, he's not here. So the fact that a lot of the top Corn Ferry rookies decide to skip this event. It's kind of an indictment of what you, you get this week. And, and, and that's and this is coming off of just a really embarrassing weekend for the PGA Tour. I mean, listen, they got their grand champion, Rory McIlroy, claiming the number one title, really star-studded feel Like, that was really setting up for the PGA Tour, especially after we all kind of crapped on Liv and Jetta. You know, kind of the joke of, of uh, a playoff that was Brooks Kepler versus Peter Uline trying to compare those guys, you know, driving up storylines about how, you know, both those guys toiled in European tour. And, you know, it just, it, and that event kind of fell flat. And the PG Tour had basically had a silver platter, an all star event in the fall. Yes, there's football and everything. But uh, as you probably have heard some other podcasts, and I'm going to add on to uh, shoveling dirt on the on PG Tour's grave. Uh, it's pretty egregious that they didn't have PG Tour live. Uh, it was surprising to me <laughs> when I found out on Thursday that I just assumed because it's in the United States that uh, we were going to have it. And they didn't. Um, 
what I think probably happened was there probably is an issue with a contract with ESPN Plus and the PJ Tour. Probably when they signed it back uh, last year, uh, they said ESPN Plus isn't obligated or the PJ Tour isn't obligated maybe to carry PJ Tour live when they go internationally, which makes sense. I, I get it. I mean, it's stupid. They can always fly their equipment over. Uh, it's a cost cutting move, uh, but that's their choice. And we've always had that. But uh, the fact that not only was this a star event, but it's in the United States. Uh, and that's a real good opportunity for the PGA tour to really take a step forward and say, Hey, like we're better than live. And it's also a good opportunity for ESPN plus to actually sell subscriptions. Uh, I think they probably would have jumped at the opportunity of promoting an event with Roy McElroy and Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm. Um, and it doesn't seem like the PGA tour really picked up the phone and bothered to maybe amend the contract, get the lawyers together. Uh, so they punted. And the only coverage that we got all weekend was just a three-hour window from about three to six on Thursday and Friday. Uh, I understand it's tough this time of year. I know that golf is a tiny speck on the sports landscape, but this isn't really about that. It's about just incompetence. And the PJ Tour is under siege, whether you want to admit it or not. Uh, Liv is getting players. They're going to get more players. Uh, they're not going away. And now is not the time to really cheap out on your product. PJ Tour. And just, and just shit all over your fans. I'll just say it. Um, like the people who watch PJ Tour live are people like me and Capper and gamblers. And uh, you're basically probably drawing about the same viewership as you would uh, at the Byron Nelson. You have a pretty loyal base who's going to tune in whatever. And to not have it, to kind of just cheap out on it, which is essentially what the PJ Tour did. Uh, it speaks volumes. And then we're going to have this week where literally no one is showing up. Uh, I think the best player in the field uh, ranking wise is uh, probably Seamus Power. Um, I think the best player is Thomas Dietrich. Uh, I think he's playing the best. I think he's uh, he's not just any corn fairy rookie. He's uh, he's a European tour vet. He's won. He's been close to winning a couple times in the European tour. I uh, just got Mark Hubbard. You have SHK who almost won the Shriners. Um, you got Denny McCarthy, who is the betting favorite. It's laughable that he's the betting favorite, but that's what we're dealing with this week. Um, and once again, we're not going to have PJ Tour live. Um, we're not going to have shot link for the next two weeks either. And it's just, it's not a good week. That's just how it is. Uh, it's tough for gambling. It's tough for uh, viewing. It's tough to be a fan of the PG Tour right now. Um, so that's why we're not going to cover DFS tonight. Uh, on one hand, I don't really feel like telling you that Mark Hubbard's a good play at $10,000. It's Mark Hubbard. Uh, he's going to be very popular. He's been playing well, but he's $10,000. Uh, and honestly, there's really not much to discuss under $7,000. So just like the PGA Tour is kind of punting on the fall, I'm going to punt on DFS. Uh, but I'm still going to break down the course, uh, so break down everything else for you because you can bet on it. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, and we're going to take a little break first, and then I will start going into the course. So we're brought to you by uh, WinBet. So are you thinking about joining WinBet? Bet $100 and get a $100 free bet. Uh, WinBet, it's biggest. Are you, you know, you can join the WinBet's biggest winners club. Whoever hits the biggest parlay and WinBet odds wise gets a hundred thousand dollar free bet. WinBet truly is hashtag digital only. Plus, use the WinBet's build your own bet to build some amazing kissing day parlays. There's a lot to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamingpodcast.com slash WinBet so they know that we sent you at sportsgamingpodcast slash WIN and BET to claim your free bet today. Office subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 20 or older and present in the state where play through WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. All right. Well, why don't we talk about 
uh, Port Royal Golf Course uh, Golf Club. That's where uh, the Bermuda Championship is going to be this week. And then we'll just go over some general batting strategies, and, we'll, and then uh, uh, we'll go from there. So, um, I'm sorry, I just got a uh, breaking news: James Robinson traded to the Jets. For anybody interested out there, uh, all right. So the golf course. Uh, so Port Royal was founded in 1965, and uh, uh, basically it was uh, there was a dispute between the existing property owners, which I think is actually it might be the, the government of Bermuda, to be honest, and uh, a couple farmers around the area. Basically, there was a stubborn farmer who didn't want to sell a piece of land. It was it's towards about the north end of the property. Uh, there's a, a par five and a short par three and a par four over there. Basically, that was all agricultural fields, and he didn't want to get rid of it. So finally, they negotiated uh, a settlement with him, and the golf course uh, was completed in 1969 by Robert Trent Jones. Um, and as far as the layout goes, uh, listen, it's it's not all that exciting, at least like tee to green, uh, like you know, like some of the routing of it. It's it's fine. It's kind of what you usually expect from Robert Trent Jones. A lot of dog legs, you know, some pinching of the fairways of some bunkers. Um, you know, it's it's fine. Uh, but I think what makes the, uh, the golf course special is the land itself is really good. Uh, basically it's, uh, the clubhouse sits basically right on top of the hill and the golf course just kind of sprawls downhill from all directions. So, um, so starting on like, uh, number one, it's a downhill tee shot. Uh, it's basically like a nine degree, uh, uh, par four. It's about 250, 260 to the middle. Probably not. You might be able to hit driver. You would really want to cut the corner, but, um, but and then it goes uphill, comes back downhill, and then it goes all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. Just really good undulation, elevation changes to this piece of property. Um, you know, sometimes like you're going to have a club in your hand, it might be 115 yards on the score on the scorecard. But um, if it's playing about 50, 60 feet uphill, it's some of these holes are. Uh, you got to adjust there. You're going to have to really rely on your caddy this week uh, and have good numbers. Uh, it's got really good views of the Atlantic Ocean as well. It's right on the coast, uh, number 16. Uh, longer par three right along the coast there. It's it's a really picturesque hole. Um, just looks really nice to play there. Uh, definitely someplace where, you know, if you're just looking to have around, have a good, you know, view of the ocean, it's definitely for you. Uh, it's a really short course, though. It's only about 6,850 yards on the scorecard. Uh, it's I think it's the second shortest on the PGA Tour behind one of the uh, golf courses on the 18th Pebble Beach Pro-Am. I forget which one. Um, uh, but um, the wind can be a big fa big factor at this place. And that's why it has to be this short is because, you know, if you get a big gale coming off the Atlantic, excuse, the Atlantic Ocean, um, if you're playing into the wind, like this thing can get pretty long in a hurry. Uh, and then you'll have some tricky crosswinds too. Uh, this can definitely be a tough course to play when the weather conditions are pretty tough. You saw that last year uh, in the final round. Uh, of the uh, Bermuda Championship that Lucas Herbert won. Just, uh, I think in the middle of it, uh, it just started raining. It was going sideways. Like, it was actually kind of an entertaining final round to watch, even though the field was, well, it was better than what we saw this, we're going to see this year. But it was actually entertaining. And I, I, I was actually really excited to hopefully maybe get a couple guys, um, maybe with some connections to the Butterfield Bank, uh, maybe some of the English guys to come over and play it. You know, maybe they could get in the mix, but say lovey. Um, so yeah, so it's it's short for a reason. Uh, they also have to keep the greens pretty slow here uh, because if there's wind, basically the golf course is kind of unplayable. Uh, it's also Bermuda grass tee to green. Uh, the greens are Tiff Eagle uh, greens, which I'll get to in a little bit. Uh, there's a couple other golf courses. 
that have Tiffy go Bermuda if you really want to dive into that. Uh, but overall, though, um, you know, this is kind of going to come down to how the weather is. Uh, I think on Thursday, the weather's going to be pretty nasty. I think they're going to get some rain, some wind. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday don't look too tough, um, but that can change in a hurry. So definitely, if you if you are playing DFS this week, uh, definitely watch the weather report. Uh, you might want to, you know, maybe get advantage of some wind splits, even if you're getting, uh, you know, construction your betting card too. If there's a wave that is definitely going to get punished, uh, definitely build your card around that too, uh, especially with a cut this week. Uh, that could be a big difference between a really good week and not. So, all right. So what about some betting strategies? So, uh, um, you know, once again, this kind of worst case scenario for, uh, for gamblers, there's not any shot link data, so sure gain history to draw upon. You're basically just going with, um, you know, just the three tournaments they've had there, which you probably haven't watched because it's in the fall and they don't really have to do a great job of coverage. Um, and just some rudimentary stats like greens of regulation, driving accuracy. But there's still a story to tell. You know, we, we were able to do that for the Zozo uh, pretty successfully. So why don't we just go into what we know about the Premier Championship in Port Royal uh, and then we'll get to it. So, um, oh, another thing too is like, even if we had like strokes gain data, like this field is so bad that like let's take your 25th best ball striker on out of 144 guys like am i going to trust them probably not uh they chances are they're probably more like the 85th best ball striker at the pga tour uh based on the field strength so if you had stats like who cares <laughs> they could show up like a bump so all right um so why don't we talk the greens first once i i mentioned that it's uh bermuda grass tita green the greens are typical Bermuda. Um, generally speaking, if you just want to look at Bermuda uh, putting stats, you can do that. But there are six golf courses that they play on the PG Tour, uh, or they have played, that uses uh, typical Bermuda greens as a particular strain. Uh, the plantation course at Kapalua, that's one. Uh, Albany Golf Course, uh, where they have the Hero World Challenge, too. Uh, sea Island has Tiff Eagle, uh, I think only on the... Uh, Seaside course, though. I don't know about the plantation course. It might be both. Uh, but Sea Island, that's three. PJ National uh, for the Honda Classics, four. Bay Hill, they have typical Bermuda Greens. That's five. And Concession Golf Club with, with the WGC Workday back in 2021. Um, the only problem is that because this field is so weak, um, probably they a lot of these guys have never played Kapalua or Albany because they're just not worth inviting to an 18-person exhibition or probably didn't play Concession either. Um but a lot of this field probably has played Sea Island. They probably played PJ National. They probably played Bay Hill because, um, especially Sea Island, PJ National, those don't draw as good of fields. Chances are a lot of those guys have probably played those places a lot. So if you really want to dig into the nitty gritty of putting stats, probably look at Sea Island, look at PJ National, probably look at Bay Hill. If these guys have played the other three as well, you can look at that too. But um, probably in general, you're probably just going to go with just uh, Bermuda. Um, Let's talk about driving and off the tee performance uh, at the Barfield Bermuda Championship. Uh, pretty low rates of hitting the fairway. Um, a lot of that has to do with the narrowness of the fairways. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the wind. A lot of nasty crosswinds, it's hard to keep the ball on the fairway. So last year, the drive, the drive accuracy rate was only about 56%. Uh, in 2020, it was 49%. They got some really heavy winds, I think, all four days. Uh, and 2019, is about 54%. So uh, right there... It's it's you're not going to see a whole ton of guys hit the fairway, but um, we can kind of look at the winners and we can kind of see how they did it. Uh, so Brendan Todd and Brian Gay, 
just really gen in general, very accurate drivers of the ball. Uh, they were among the leaders in driving accuracy on the week uh, when they won. Uh, Brandon Tau won 2019, Brian Gay won 2020. But Lucas Herbert, though, he's a bomber. He's a very inaccurate bomber. Uh, he was well below uh, average for driving accuracy. So, you know, it might want to suggest that you might want to target extremes, either target a guy who you know is just going to hit a lot of fairways. Um, maybe they have a pretty good wedge game too. Or target a, a bomber. Um, and you know, a guy who's just going to get himself a little closer to the green, especially with some of the windier conditions and can gouge out of the Bermuda rough and get onto the green and maybe get high with a putter. You know, it, we've seen that success work. Um, you know, Lucas Herbert won last year. Uh, Taylor Pendrith was in the mix to win the championship last year too. Wyndham Clark lost in a playoff to Brian Gay. That, that's a basically right there. That, that playoff kind of encapsulates, I think what I'm looking for this week is you got Brian Gay, short hitting, accurate, uh, really good putter. And you got Wyndham Clark. Bomber, inaccurate, good putter, though, which we'll get to putting in a little bit. So, yeah, I, I think I'm going to target some extremes this week as far as off the tee. Uh, basically, anything in the middle, like you're just kind of average in distance or you're not very accurate or you're really short, you're not very accurate or, uh, you know, just or you're middle of the road there. You might have, I, I bet on a couple guys this week that fit that criteria, but uh, in general, uh, unless you had something else going for you, which hard to find in this field. Uh, I probably skipped over you. Um, what about green regulations rates? So even though, I mean, just just in general, if you're missing a lot of greens on the PGA Tour, you're not hitting a lot of greens. Uh, I'm mean, sorry. If you're missing a lot of fairways on the PGA Tour, if it's high rates of hitting out of the rough, chances are you're not really going to hit a whole lot of greens. And you kind of see that here. Um, they're a little below PGA Tour average as far as the, the green regulation rate, but they're close. They're close to average. So in 2021, the green regulation rate was 64%. Uh, in 2020, it was 61%. In 2019, it was about 67%. So even though, um, you know, you have a lot of guys generally hitting a lot from the rough, um, you know, the green regulation rate wasn't all that low, which mean, which probably means to me that, like, it's not very penal rough to get out of, especially even for a shorter hitter, probably just because, you know, it is a, it is a shorter golf course. It's not like going to, like, a Torrey Pines where, a Brendan Todd might have to gouge a three iron out of deep rough. Um, you know, it's, uh, oh God. I was just told my camera's off. Hold on. All right. Well, I'm just going to continue. So, um, yeah. So basically, um, the fact that there's low green regulation rates, um, or average green regulation rates, it, it, you can still, you know, you're not discounting a lot of those shorter hitters. So, um, as far as like guys who, how they did winning the tournament. Um, so Brendan Todd was 11th green regulation rate, uh, during the week that he won. Brian Gay was T15. Uh, Lucas Herbert was well below, uh, PG tour average, uh, in green regulation hit. So that suggests to me that he, um, basically just put his way to a victory. And that's kind of what he did. Um, and he was T6 and plus per round that week. Um, Brendan Tyne, Brian Gay, though, they still hit a lot of putts too. So this kind of suggests that I'm, I'm looking for a putter this week. So, uh, and then last thing, um, I tried to estimate, estimate proximity rates at Port Royal. Uh, this was done basically assuming the wind. I kind of just went to Google earth and looked at approximate tee shot locations. Um, the, uh, you know, so basically what I found was there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of shorter, uh, approach shots here. Um, 
So less than 125 yards. I There's about one out of every three shots, about six per round is uh, under 125 yards. Uh, about six is about 125 to 150. Uh, only one I found is about 150 to 175. None from 175 to 200. And 200 plus is about five per round. Those are usually the par fives, uh, which are very gettable. There's uh, also three par threes um, that are long too. I think one of them is uh, 235 yards. and one's like 216. Um, and I think the other par three is like 200 as well. So, and into the wind that can be challenging. So, uh, wind can definitely play a big factor too, uh, as far as the wind. Uh, there's also elevation changes. So sometimes, you know, your true yardage, uh, isn't what it is on the scorecard, but I just in general, uh, I'm looking at shorter irons this week. I think it's gonna be a lot of shots under 150 yards. Uh, and, um, you know, if, if you do want to look at shots over 200 because of the three par threes and some of the par fives, you basically get a, in my estimation, about 94% coverage. Uh, I'm not really worried about mid irons or, um, anything like that. It's just really how you do with your wedges. And if you can perform really well on some of the longer par threes. So just in general, uh, I'm looking for a bomber. That's, you know, either bomber or really uh, short, but accurate guy, kind of the extremes off the tee. Uh, I'm looking for a really good putter, particularly in Bermuda. Uh, and somebody's proficient with their shorter irons. Uh, so why don't we take another break? And then, God help me, we're going to talk about live. All right, uh, let's talk about No House Advantage. So No House Advantage changed the game by offering the most dynamic sports, fan sports platform available today. Play pick'em contests versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 plus in cash. Down the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leader for your shot to win big money every day. You also test your skills versus the house at, at, at 20x your entry if all your picks hit. Bet on up to five player prop overrunners or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. So I'm now with promo code SGPN at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app on the app stores. Get a first deposit match up to $25. So make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but where you play. And you won't want to miss out on this. All right. Well, that concludes uh, the Bermuda Championship talk. Uh, why don't we talk about Liv? Um, so this week, and, and I'm going to just play it straight. Um, I have been tracking just their overall strokes gain data because I figure it's probably just useful information that to have. Uh, either these guys are probably going to be playing majors at some point or they're going to play in European tour events. Um or just their popularity is going to grow where Capper and I are just going to have to probably talk about it. And like I said, in a week like this, where arena championship is pretty garbage field for PG tour standards, this is probably going to draw the most interest. It's a better field, whether you agree with me or not. Uh, so I'm going to leave politics aside. We're just going to talk about what has happened and how the teams are. And if you don't like it, I apologize. Uh, you can turn the podcast off or the stream off, but uh, we're going to try and break it down, and I'm going to go over with some picks I like. So, so this is the team championship. It's a uh, they're calling it the ma a match play format, which is not really a match play event because uh, the final round between the four teams who make it to the finals is all stroke play uh, because it's live, and they're basically making it up as they go around, get along. Uh, they will eventually probably figure out their way and be a little more consistent, but this year, not so much. Uh, so how it works is the top four teams, uh, which were 
Uh, the four aces, uh, led by Dustin Johnson, the uh, Crushers, led by Bryce and DeChambeau. Uh, the Fireballs, led by Sergio Garcia. And uh, Team Singer, basically the South African team, led by uh, the injured Brandon Grace and Louis Uswizen. Uh, they're the top four teams. They uh, earned a bye uh, uh, to the next round. Uh, and then seeds five through 12, um, they all play in the quarterfinals. And how it works is uh, basically uh, Team Smash, led by Brooks Kepka. Uh, they're going to choose their opponents uh, of everybody else, and it's going to work all the way down until everybody is paired up. Uh, and then they're going to play a match. Um, there will be uh, two singles matches. Um, I'm not exactly sure how they're going to pick them. They might not even know how they're going to pick them either. Uh, and there's going to be an, uh, the other two team, or the other team is going to be alternate shot uh, between two guys. And uh, there's no ties, no halves. So the team that gets uh, two points in their little matches, we'll advance the next round. Uh, and then we'll get to eight teams. Once again, uh, the four aces will have the first pick to decide who they want to play. Of, uh, I'm not sure if they actually can pick a team that got a buy, which would be interesting because I might want to pick uh, the South Africans. They're not doing very well right now. Uh, but if they can't, uh, they'll pick from whoever won uh, their quarterfinal match. Same thing. Uh, two singles events, uh, one force event. And then, uh, lastly, the championship will be all four teams. Shotgun start. Uh, um, they will play uh, all. Basically, they'll play their own ball, and all the scores count. So, in the regular events, uh, usually only two or three scores count out the team total. Everybody's going to count this week, and that actually might come to play for uh, the big favorite this week because they have a uh, really bad player on their team who might cost them. So, um. So we're just going to start from the bottom. Uh, the odds board, uh, or the seating, we're going to work our way up. Um, if you haven't been paying attention to Liv, I will tell you just in general what they've been doing. I have their numbers, so let's get to it. So 12C is the Niblix. <laughs> That's a terrible name. Um, they are led by Harold Varner III. Uh, this team is terrible. Uh, Harold Varner has not been playing very well since he came over from the PD Tour. Uh, he did well in the Bangkok event. Uh, I think he lost by uh, he lost by five shots to uh, Chikara, who just played great that week. Um, but he's really the only one doing anything. Uh, James Pyatt also did well in Bangkok. Uh, he's he's been playing a little better lately. Um, he lost strokes in Chicago, uh, gained about five and a half on the field at Bangkok, gained a little bit at Jeddah, but uh, he also has lost the uh, in uh, Boston. He lost seventeen strokes to the field that week. Um, he's not a very good player. Uh, neither is Hudson Swafford, who I guess is the second best player on that team. He's lost a whopping one and a half strokes to the field, uh, in seven events on live, uh, and Turk Pettit, who, um, he has lost how many the last four events, uh, he's lost 25 strokes to the field. Uh, the last four events, uh, kind of speaks to, um, how shallow kind of these live events the talent pool is. Uh, they stink. Um, I would expect them to get bounced very quickly unless Harold Varner... I don't know. I, I, I don't see a way <laughs> that they win, so don't bet on them this week. Uh, the 11th seed is the Australian team, which is interesting because Cam Smith uh, is on that team. Uh, I'm pretty sure that if Cam Smith and Leishman were on the team... For this whole thing, they'd probably be much higher, probably be maybe a seven or six seed. Uh, they had some pretty poor players uh, starting out for them. Uh, Smith and Leishman kind of helped, but 
honestly, Cam Smith has not been very good the last two tournaments. Uh, he was pretty bad in Bangkok and gained a little bit on the field in Jeddah. Uh, Mark Leishman has really disappointed too. Uh, his best showing was at Bangkok. Otherwise, he lost three and a half strokes in Jeddah, lost seven and a half in Chicago. He's been pretty bad. He's kind of continuing some of his poor play that he saw from uh, out of him the last couple of years on the PG Tour. Uh, Matt Jones has been just awful. <laughs> um, hopefully, the lawsuit kind of works out for him, but he was bad in Jeddah. Um, lost strokes at Boston. He has been very good. Wade Ormsby, who just, uh, he's probably going to get replaced by somebody. Uh, he's been pretty bad. Uh, he's been lost about a shot and a half per round to the field uh, since he's been on. So, um, I mean, they could surprise. Uh, I mean, you have Cam Smith. You have Mark Leishman, Matt Jones, and Putt. Um, I, I I forgot to mention, too. They're playing at Doral, by the way. So this is basically uh, a longer golf course. Bombers Paris, we saw at the WGC Cadillac. Usually longer hitters tend to prevail there. A uh, lot of water. Bermuda as well. Um, we did see Patrick Reed win there one year. I think that might have been a little bit of a fluke. Otherwise, it's mostly just the Bombers. They don't really have a bombers on this team uh but they could hit a lot of putts so they could surprise um especially if they catch i don't know maybe team torque uh that's another really weak team that we're gonna talk about a little bit otherwise though probably not gonna do very well uh this tournament so i don't spend much of them all right uh 10 seed team cliques uh led by martin kiner another pretty weak team uh uh richard bland's been okay lately though uh he's pretty good in bangkok uh he's all right in chicago didn't play all that great in Jetta, but just, you know, overall, he's been uh, probably their best player, at least in the short term. Uh, Martin Keimer actually got out to a pretty good start in Jetta, but he got injured. Uh, so we don't really know his status there. Uh, Lori Cantor, he played all right in Chicago and Bangkok. Uh, that's a guy who, you know, I, I know he chased the paychecks, but just given how the Ryder Cup uh, is for the European team, that might have been a guy who might have wanted to stay because I think he probably, he might have had the chance to make it. He was, you know, he was cranking out some top 10s, top 15s. He was a solid European tour player, uh, but he decided to uh, go get the money. And Graham McDowell has been an unmitigated disaster pretty much the entire uh, tenure of uh, live between some of the quotes he's made. Uh, he was the former captain, I think, of uh, um, the Niblix. Uh, they got rid of him and he ended up on the cliques. He's been terrible. So uh, again, I don't really see much uh, hope with them. I don't think there's really much to discuss. Uh, Ironheads, uh, that's the Kevin Na team, which who knows what his health is. Uh, he apparently was on his deathbed, I think, the last couple weeks. Uh, and then the rest of his team is uh, you know, guys from Thailand who we haven't really heard of. Uh, they've had some of their moments, though. Uh, Pachara was pretty good uh, at Bedminster. Uh, Sawan Kim, he was pretty good in Bangkok. Um, Saddam was pretty good in Boston, uh, but I mean, these are not household names. Uh, Siwon Kim actually lost 20 strokes to the field in Boston. <laughs> That's hard to do. Um, they all play pretty poorly, except for maybe Siwon Kim and, uh, and Jetta. This is not somebody um, probably is going to threat over their last three tournaments combined. The team has lost about half a shot per the to the field. Um, and most of that has just become because Siwon Kim did well in Bangkok. So um, probably nothing to see there. Um, the eight, the eight seed, uh, the high flyers. So this is Phil Mickelson's team. Th this seems actually kind of interesting. Um, you know, so 
I think one of the guys who actually benefited, I mean, all these guys benefited financially from going to live, but um, I think one of the guys actually benefited from going to live seemed to be Matthew Wolf. Um, he was terrible on PG tour. There was always rumors about his mental health and how happy he was on the PG tour. And honestly, he's been actually pretty good on live. Um, he lost by a couple shots at um, Bedminster. He gained six shots on the field of Portland, gained 3.6 at Boston, gained five and a half at Jetta. Been playing well. And say what you want, maybe that's a move for him that was actually good for him. So, um, but he's really the only one that's actually playing pretty good golf. Um, I mean, you have a lot of names here, but they have been playing good. I mean, Phil Mickelson has been terrible. Uh, the only event he's been really good was Chicago. Uh, otherwise, he's hemorrhaging strokes to the field. Uh, Bern Wiesberger has been a little better lately, but um, that's a dude who can't putt, and he just hasn't really seen what he's gotten going. And Cameron Tringali started out okay. He was pretty good in Chicago, but his last turn was a disaster. So, uh, I mean, that could be a team that surprises if Tringali can kind of get things going. Maybe Phil can start to play a little better. Matthew Wolf's been pretty good. I mean, he's a bomber, so that's uh, something that's going to play in their favor. They, this team has a lot of length, too, so that could possibly play well at uh, Doral, but, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, I don't mind them. Actually, I like them, the high flyers, better than Team Torque, who's the seventh seed. Um, that's a one-man team with Joaquin Neiman, who's been great. Uh, great at Boston, great in Jetta, great in Chicago. Uh, the rest of his team is terrible. Uh, Scott Vincent uh, has lost about 0.8 strokes in his tenure on live. Uh, Hidato Tanihara lost about 1.6 per round, and uh, Jediah Morgan's lost 1.8. That That's a bad team. Um, if any books do decide once they pick the teams, which probably not because I think they're picking day of, which stinks. I would have loved there to be a betting market of uh, betting some teams. I would bet against Torque <laughs> easily, uh, especially because, I mean, Neiman can't do it all. Uh, and just between Vincent, Tanihar, and Janiah Margaret, they, they stink. So um, I don't spend much to them. Uh, the six season Majestics, uh, they've really been leaking oil. They were good uh, up until about Boston. Uh, you know, Lee Westwood, Stenson, Horsfield, and Poulter. Uh, since then, it's really only been mostly Westwood doing uh, decent golf. Uh, Stenson has really cratered ever since uh, Boston. Uh, Horsefield has lost strokes to the field in four straight. Poulter's isn't really doing much in the league. He's about maybe average to a slightly above average. Uh, this team doesn't have a whole lot of length either. I don't think they're going to be very good for Doral. So, you know, don't really like them. Uh, the 5 C team smash. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, I can't get over these names sometimes. Anyways, Brooks, Brooks Kepka's team. Uh, obviously, they made a big move in Jetta. Uh, Kepka uh, won the events. Pierre Uline lost in the playoff. Um, you know, they got Jason Kokrak, who's a name. Played really well in Boston, but otherwise, his tenure on Live has been pretty unremarkable. I mean, honestly, I know we give Chase Kepka a lot of crap, but he's actually been decent. On live, uh, he gained two strokes in the field in Bedminster. He gained four and a half. Chicago gained two and a half in Jetta. Um, he's actually been kind of a solid role player. He's kind of the, you know what? I'm not even going to make a comparison because I'll probably get roasted for it. Uh, he's been okay though. Um, the problem though with this team is that it's Peter Uline the other day who's played well. He's, I'll, I'll admit it. I mean, for live standards, 
I mean, he gained 11 strokes at London. He gained eight and a half at Chicago. He gained seven and a half in Jeddah. I mean, there's been some clankers from him, too. He lost nine in Boston, lost seven in Portland. Um, but it's Peter Uline at the end of the day. Uh, it's Chase Kepka at the end of the day. Co-crack, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like he's, you know, I don't know. He might not have it anymore. Now he's gotten paid. Um, I mean, they do have the first pick. They're probably going to pick probably either the Iron Heads or uh, the Cleeks or Niblick. So they'll probably make it into um, the next round. Uh, if they run into a team like the South Africans, maybe they're stuck with them. Uh, I could see probably the other three maybe shying away from uh, Kepka's team because they have been playing so well. Unless the thing is all rigged, which it very well might be. And all these matches are already preordained, but let's speculate. Let's play it straight. Let's be fair, I guess. Um, I guess if they're one of those teams, I probably wouldn't pick the Kepka team. So maybe they get paired up with the South African team. Maybe they make the finals. So that could be someone right now. I think their odds are like nine to one. Uh, they're shallow. I mean, but this is only 12 teams. Um, you know, if, if you got nine to one, uh, to play basically just, you know, it's one round of golf where everybody scores counts. Do I think they're actually going to win? Probably not. But, you know, it'd be, if you want someone to hold like a nine to one ticket on a team to make the finals, um, that might not be a bad bet. So uh, that might be one you might want to, you know, maybe consider. Uh, the four seed, the South Africans, like I mentioned, uh, they're the four seed because of pretty much everything they did the first five tournaments. I mean, you know, Lib basically pushed it to the moon that uh, South Africans swept the podium. Uh, Charles Schwartz won. Brand Grace came second. Uh, Louis played well. I think uh, Henny Duplee, uh before he got uh, uh, dumped <laughs> on the team. Uh, he also played well. Um, Brandon Grace uh, did well in Portland. So, um, you know, and then they've just been kind of solid ever since. You know, Louis was playing pretty good golf up until about Chicago. Uh, Brandon Grace was playing actually really well uh, until Bangkok. But then he got hurt in Bangkok after, I think he was like five under, I think after the first day, and then he had to withdraw. Terrible in Jeddah, so you wonder what his health is. Um, Louis Uswazen's also has not been playing well uh, ever since I kind of went international. Maybe that hasn't been all that great for him. Uh, Schwartzel's kind of fallen off the map. I mean, he's been okay. He played up well in Chicago and Jeddah, did not play well in Boston and Bangkok, though. So, um, But the problem with, with Stinger, though, is that, A, I mean, they're, you know, Brandon Grace might not be healthy. Uh, and Sean Norris has been uh, one of the worst players on live. Um, he, the only time he gained strokes in the field was in London. Uh, other than that, he lost 14 strokes in the field in Portland, lost 6.4 in Boston, lost 7.5 in Chicago, lost 6.5 last week in Jeddah. Uh, that's going to cost them, especially if they run into probably their, you know, stuck hole in the bag with, you know, if, if Brooks Kepka teams make it to the, the, the semifinals there. Uh, I think they're going to go down. So I, I, right now they're also nine to one. I don't like them at all. Uh, I, I think if you're going to want to go for someone nine to one, you're probably going to go with Kepka's team, team smash. All right. Uh, three C, the fireballs, they've been playing pretty good golf. Um, ever since basically Boston, uh, Sergio has been really good for four of the last five events. He's gained at least five and a half strokes on the field. Uh, Abe answers kind of been hit or miss, but he's been solid, you know, like gained 6.6 in Boston. Game two and a half in Bangkok, like game five and three and a half in Jeddah. Uh, Chikara, the only time he's really done anything is when he won. Otherwise, he hasn't been all that great. So that might be a little bit of a liability that holds him back. Uh, Carlos Ortiz, though, like he was really good at the beginning. Now he's kind of tailed off. 
So this is kind of basically a two-man team uh, between Sergio and Answer. Uh, but I mean, I think I think Chikar is kind of the wild card. He's a really talented kid. I mean, we obviously saw the upside if he just uh, can put it together for three days and you know catch some magic. I mean, that can be a really dangerous team. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll probably they'll probably make the finals. It's a pretty talented team. Uh, do I think they're going to win at plus four fifty? I don't think so. That's not really my favorite bet on the board. Um, so uh, probably will pass. But the, I mean, like, legitimately, they have been playing well for live standards. So uh, the two seats of crushers. Um, what's funny about them is that I mean, they're led by Bryson Shambo. He has not been nearly the best player on that team. Uh, the best players on the team has definitely been Paul Casey. Um, you know, he's doing, he's doing Paul Casey things. He's just hitting the ball really well. Can't make a putt. Uh, but he gained six strokes at Bedminster, gained six and a half at Bangkok, gained five and a half at Jetta. Uh, Anand Lahiri has also been pretty decent, uh, too. He lost in a playoff in Boston. I uh, played well in Jetta as well. Gained three and a half strokes on the field. Uh, Charles Howell, Howell the third is kind of just doing Charles Howell the, the third things. Um, you know, it's nothing flashy, but solid, you know, gain four and a half at Bangkok, gain 2.6 in Boston, four and a half in Jetta, like just gaining strokes on the field, just kind of like what he did in the PG tour where you just kind of always seem to finish inside the top 40. It's a solid team. And then you got Bryson too, who, uh, I mean, he hasn't been playing well, it's been fine, but he hasn't been playing good. I think we need to remember with him that, um, he's been battling an injury all year. We're not sure if he actually, um, I think it was what a torn labrum, you know, I mean, maybe he's not fully recovered from that. Although what he finished second, in the long drive contest. So I don't know, maybe he's over it. Maybe just is more concerned about his social media following than actually playing good golf. Who knows? Um, but overall it's a good team. Uh, they're plus 400 kind of like that. I think they're going to win whoever they play. I mean, they're going to get a high, they're going to be able to pick um, probably a, not a very good team coming out of the quarterfinals because they're, they're the two seed. Uh, maybe there's a couple upsets. Maybe maybe the high flyers go out first. Maybe you know Brooks you know team doesn't show up and um, you know and they can get lucky and get a decent opponent. Uh, I think they're going to make the finals. I think it's a solid team. I think they're all playing pretty good. They all gain strokes on the field in Jetta. I think four to one. I kind of like that bet. So uh, and then the one seed, the four aces. Um, you know Dustin Johnson's team. I mean. They have been, uh, you know, the best team all year. They have won the team competition, I think, three or four times. Uh, DJ won um, 21 Boston. Uh, Patrick Reed has also been really good. Um, you know, he gained 12 strokes in Portland, gained seven and a half in Bangkok, uh, nine at Bedminster. Um, the problem with that team, though, is uh, so Taylor Gooch and Pe- let's talk about Taylor Gooch. He was playing great through four events, and the last four events have not gone all that well. Um, you know, he's bad in Chicago. Uh, he was okay in Jetta, uh, but he wasn't really, he's not doing what he really was doing at the beginning of the year. And, you know, I'm a little concerned about him and Durrell. Uh, it's a longer golf course. Uh, he's got a little pop off the tee, but it's not like, you know, really good. Uh, he's a little erratic sometimes, too, from what I remember on the PGA Tour. A lot of water hazards, Mike Austin, but I, I, I think what's, the the real anchor on that team, and not in a good way. Uh, Paparaz, just terrible. Um, he is riding the coattails of the R three, making a lot of money despite some really, really, really atrocious golf. Uh, that's going to cost him, uh, especially with it's all four scores count. Can't hide him like you did in the regular events. Um, 
And even in the match play events, like let's say, you know, you know, I'd probably, I'm going to imagine DJ and Reed will probably end up um, playing singles because they are the best talented players. Um, I think the team at Gooch and Perez is probably a loss. And that means if DJ has a bad day or Reed has a bad day, they go out early. So they're plus 200. I don't like those odds at all. Uh, and I think they're not going to win even if they make the finals. So listen, like I mentioned, like I understand that some people don't really want to take this seriously. And honestly, I don't really take it seriously either sometimes, but it is an event. You can gamble on it. And um, so look at the odds board. Um, I think I like crushers at four to one. Uh, Paul Casey and DeShambo's team. Um, I think with DeShambo's length, I think it's going to be an advantage of Doral. Um, Charles Howell III's got some pop off the tee. Casey's got some pop off the tee, too. They're all playing really good right now at the moment. Kind of like them. And um, maybe Kepka's team at 9-1. to one. I think they can at least make the finals. Uh, I think there's a decent path for them. Uh, they're going to be able to pick their opponent in the first round. Uh, they're probably going to get, I think, the South African team, probably because they're going to be left over. And I can't imagine the other three teams are going to want to pick them. Uh, again, assuming this is all you know, legitimate, which it very well might not be. I probably that might not be, and I just wasted a half hour of your time. Um, but I, I think they're going to make the finals, and you hold nine to one on them. So, all right, so that's it. Um, thank you for putting up with uh, me talking about live for a half hour. Um, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, I will be back tomorrow night with Boston Capper. We'll get back to your regular schedule program. We'll talk about the PGA Tour, the Bermuda Championship. We'll have our special guest, uh, Matt Gannon, on. Uh, he's our newest writer on uh, sportsgamingpodcast.com. He will join us to break down the betting card. Uh, so with that, uh, hope you have a uh, good night and we'll talk to you tomorrow.